Amen. If you have your Bibles today, the book of John, chapter number five, a very familiar text, one that I don't know if I've preached this ever, this text ever or not here at Bethel. I don't know that I have because I looked back through my computer and I couldn't find any notes I'd ever really written down about it other than I wrote a, a part in a play. That's the only thing I found. John chapter five, and I want to preach on this thought. The house of mercy. The house of mercy. If you would stand to your feet, verse number one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man, when the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now this story continues from verses 10 all the way down to about verse number 18. I won't take time to read that, but I may get into that here in a few minutes. We'll see. Father, I thank you that you've allowed us to be in the house of God. And Lord, I know there have been many times that we have referenced this passage and we have attached this passage to other messages. But today, Father, would you help us, Father, that the focal point might be upon Jesus. Jesus is the house of mercy. And Lord, where you are, you are in the house. And where you are, there's liberty. And where you are, there is mercy. And today, Father, may Bethel be the house of mercy. May each individual believer be a house of mercy this day. Lord, we love you. And I pray, God, you'd fill us with your power and your unction. And you'd stir us this day by your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The word is Bethesda. The word Beth means house. Bethel, house of God. Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bethany, the house of figs. Bethesda, the house of of mercy. In this passage, we see three things. Number one, we see a portrayal of man's misery. A portrayal of man's misery. Now let's look at it again. 
we see in this man's wayward condition. Verse one says there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. We don't know, we're unaware of what this feast actually was. More than likely, it was probably the Passover. And you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse number 16. Now, at Jerusalem, verse two, there is a sheep market. At that sheep market, we know there's a pool with, uh, uh, that's got five porches, five porticos, five, uh, all these columns where there would be shelter. Now think with me for a second. That sheep market would be right beside the sheep gate that Nehemiah records in his writing. The sheep gate is the place of the sacrifice. They would come and take the sheep out of the sheep market to the house of God. They would have them cleansed and they would offer them sacrifice, atonement for their sins. And here they are on the Passover, ready, which represents the shedding of the blood, the blood, the blood on the doorpost and the blood on the lintel of the house. Hey, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. And there comes the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, walking through the sheep gate, walking by the sheep market into the house of mercy. Thank God, amen, we see man's wavered condition. No doubt that day, men were gathered for that feast all over that city. Multitudes had gathered. And hear me, they've come to observe the feast. They have come to observe the law. But amen, while they've come to observe the law, in walks mercy, in walks grace, in walks truth, and man did not even recognize it. We're singing this morning, and we're sitting in our pews, but if we're not careful, we will not recognize where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Greater than your president, greater than your Supreme Court, greater than your senator, greater than your congressman, greater than your governor, greater than the NBA, greater than the NFL, greater than Major League Baseball, all the fanfare of the Atlanta Braves, hear me, in the house today is Jesus and he's worthy to be praised. It is our wayward condition. It is a portrayal of man's misery. Also, I would call your attention to man's wretched condition. In verse three, there's another multitude. These are, I heard one preacher call them important folk. <laughs> they are important, amen. But the word is impotent. That means without strength. These folks are blind, halt, withered. They are waiting. Look, one verse number five says he's got an infirmity. Uh, they are waiting for the moving of the water. Now verse four says, there was an angel that went down to the pool at a certain season and he troubled the water. I like this right here. Preacher, can you explain that? Honey, I'll tell you this today. If, hear me, if we had a pool and the Lord would trouble the waters this morning and the first person that got in to be healed, this place would be filled. That troubling of the water represents the moving 
of the Holy Spirit. You can read in Genesis chapter one and the Bible begins very quickly to talk about the moving of the Spirit of God. Hey, look, look at this word. Whosoever, whosoever, look at it, there it is. Whosoever went in first, thank God, Jesus said, whosoever will, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord just pointed that out to me the other night. There's a whosoever right there in John chapter five and it's got my name and your name all over it. Thank God for the whosoever. Read on. He says whosoever got in first, he was made whole of whatsoever. Oh my, now we're talking about a whatsoever. Maybe there's some that's got sin issues. Maybe there's some that's got sickness issues. I don't know what your issue is today, but he said whatsoever you have, bring it to me at the house of mercy and I'm gonna take care of it for you. A whosoever comes in with a whatsoever. But now notice what's not there. It's not whensoever. You don't just get to come any old time you want to. The only time you get in is when there's the water being troubled, when the Spirit is moving, when the Holy Ghost is wooing, when He is drawing. Hear me, today is the day of salvation. If you'll hear it as the Holy Ghost draws, hey, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. It's not a whensoever, it's a whosoever bringing whatsoever. That's just a little nugget right there. Here they are, the blind, the halt, the withered, the weak, the infirm, the impotent. And what are they doing? They are waiting for healing, a moving of the Spirit. And while these that are sick, if you'll have it, are waiting in through those porches, in through that portico, in around those columns, walks in the great physician. And people didn't even recognize him. They were so busy watching for the water to get troubled. They were so busy trying to get some man, some person, some human to help them. They did not recognize the availability of the great physician. May I say to you today, the great physician is here in the house of mercy. I met him one night at the Balfour Baptist Church. And that preacher started identifying to me by the power of the Holy Ghost my condition. I was on, I'm about to crawl up the pulpit. I was on my way to hell. I was about to die. Oh, man, what was I gonna do? And I found out that night that there was somebody that could take away my sin. There was somebody that could heal me of sin sickness. There was somebody could release me from sin's prison. And his name is Jesus, my sacrifice, my substitute, my redeemer, my savior. Oh, yes. Now, I gotta I got calm down. Verse number five, we, are, we go now to a certain man. Now there are many people laying there, but we come to a certain man which had an infirmity, that means he's crippled, paralyzed basically for 38 years. And he's also waiting for the miracle. May I point out just a couple things. This man is 
debilitated. He has been crippled. He has been paralyzed for 38 years. That is longer than Jesus had even been at that point in time on the earth. He's probably 30, 31 years old. This man has been sick longer than Jesus has been on earth. But honey, in heaven, Jesus has always been. This man had an infirmity that prevents him from walking about as other men. I had a debilitation too. I was sin's cripple, paralyzed by the grips of sin. He was destitute. He's every year during the seasons, he would drag himself, maybe by his elbows, dragging himself to the edge of that pool, just waiting for the trouble of the water so he can flip himself or roll himself into that water so he can have healing. But for 38 years, he's been left disappointed. He's been left discouraged because he's never been able to be the first one in and he can't get the healing that he needs. One time down in Pickens, there was a revival had gone, I think, five weeks. Many had been saved, people shouting, praising God. And the choir was singing, and that night of revival, the place was just dead. The choir was singing, the people were sitting, they were just waiting for the Spirit to move, and nothing was happening. It seemed like the choir sang slow, draggy songs, not something that was filled with juice and with power. It seemed like they couldn't get their words right. And the pianist or the organist may get off just a little bit with the timing of things. And things was just getting really fouled up. And the preacher sat there and thought, I wonder what's wrong with us. Why in the world we can't have revival? We've been in meeting five weeks. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? And a little boy in a wheelchair, sitting way back, started rolling himself down the middle of the aisleway. He was the only person moving in the place. Nobody waving their hands, nobody shouting, thanking God. And he got down there. Are y'all looking at me? He got down there and he was sitting in his little wheelchair and he took his little seat belt off thing that strapped him in and this is what he did. And he flopped himself out of that wheelchair down into the altar and he started crying out to God. God, would you help me? God, would you touch me? And the pastor said all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, you're wondering what's wrong? Look at that boy down there. He's praising God. You're perfectly well. Why can't you praise God? Why can't you praise God? I'm going to ask you a, church, a question, church. Why can't you praise him today? I mean, what is it you're singing the blues about? What is it that's just been taken away from you that you can't go on any further with? Why can't you praise him? The great physician has come into the house of mercy today and we ought to give him glory and we ought to be rejoicing in his ability. But I tell you why we can't. It's a picture of our wretched condition. It's a picture of our weak condition. This man has a problem. And guess what? A man, hear me, that's not saved or a man that's out of the will of God or a man that's not really fired up about what's going on. He can live a good life. He can even be prospering as far as we can tell. But inside of his soul, he, listen, he needs to have the Holy Ghost dominating his life. If you're here today and you're unsaved, you could try many things. 
You could try religion. You could try works. You could try goodness. You could try giving. You can even try praying a little bit if you want to. But until you're willing to confess yourself a sinner and call on Jesus as a Savior, you're never going to get saved. Jesus is the one way. He's the only way of salvation. Number two, there is a picture of the master's mercy at work in this text. Here's this man. He's lying there beside the pool waiting for the troubling of the waters and the great physician has walked into the house. Now let's just consider where he's at. He's at a certain point in his life. Where's he at? He's in Jerusalem, which is the city of God. He's at the place of sacrifice where the sheep are offered, right? He's at the pool where there's a cleansing that's available. Amen. He, listen, he's on the porch. The porch is right beside the door that goes into the house. He's so close, but he still can't get in. I've talked to somebody today, you're in the right place. You're at the right point. You're on the porch. You're ready to get in, but you just won't let go and let God have it. And now this man has a problem. And we see the place he's in has five porches. The number five is interesting to me. We were singing Jesus, right? Five letters. He's filled with grace and truth. Mercy has Five letters. Look what chapter we're looking at. John chapter five. Very interesting to me. The house of mercy, five porches, the number of grace. The fifth time Noah's name is in the Bible. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. David picked up five stones to go fight the giant with. There were 5,000 men fed with five small loaves and a few fishes. There are five names for the Lord. Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There are five conditions here. The impotent, the blind, the halt, the withered, and this man with infirmity. In fact, look at verse 6. Jesus spoke five words. Will thou be made whole? I'm just telling you, this whole deal is a setup. It's a setup for mercy and it's a setup for grace. You've come in the house of God today with a problem and it's a setup. He's setting the devil up. He's setting the flesh up. He's ready to extend mercy and he's ready to extend grace. None of this is by accident. Look with me. Here's this man that's so close, but he just can't get in. My Bible tells me in verse number six, picture the master's mercy, when Jesus saw him lie. The man was just lying there. Jesus saw him. First thing I think about there is Jesus came to him. Mm. According to my Bible, there's a great multitude there that day. Jesus could have went to any person in the place. He could have went to any sick bed he wanted to. But for some reason, he chose to come to this man. Preacher, I just don't think that's fair. Let me give you a Bible. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Matthew chapter 9 says, I will have mercy. On July 13th, 1978, he may not have come to you, but he come to me. To where I was in the Balfour Baptist Church that night, he came to me. 
He saw me lying there dead in trespassing sin. He saw me lying there crippled spiritually speaking. Nothing good about me. Mm. I'm glad for the day that Jesus came my way. Was there a day he came your way? When you were wretched? When you were lost? And listen, if he'd have healed somebody else, that'd have been great. But that wouldn't have helped me. But there was a day he came just to me. And for this man, Jesus came just exactly for this certain man. Jesus came to him. Read on. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he knew. Listen, Jesus has only been on earth for 30 years. That man's been sicker than Jesus, longer than Jesus has been on earth. But Jesus knew how long he'd been in that case. Why? Because Jesus cared for him. Oh, my. Can you look with me in verse 14? I didn't read it. But afterward, after this healing, after he's carrying his bed around and people are angry and people are accusing him and they're upset, afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. He's a picture of a sinner. And the condition, blind, halt, withered, lame, the condition of a sinner, the condition that you and I were in. And yet Jesus saw beyond his faults. Jesus saw beyond his failures. Jesus saw beyond his problems. And he saw his need and he came to him and he cared for him. I want to say this this morning. Jesus knows what you've been doing. Jesus knows about the guilt of your life. He knows about the condition of your heart. He knows about the situation that you live in. He knows all about your problems. And thank God he's looking beyond your faults and he sees your needs. Jesus is not looking for your righteousness. No, no, you don't have any. Jesus is looking for the blood. Jesus is looking for your needs. If you're here today and you're not saved, Jesus sees beyond your faults and he sees your needs. If you're here today and you've got an issue physically or spiritually or emotionally or financially, honey, he knows how long you've been in that case. And he's come to you and he cares for you and he wants to do something about it. Now read with me a little further. Jesus called him. Wilt thou be made whole? He's making him an offer. If the Lord is standing here, and he is, he's here. And he says, there's COVID, there's cancer, there's there's been death, that there's been issues, and he says to you, will you be made whole? He's asking you and me a question, an offer. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be restored? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be helped? He asked him a question. Now here that man is laying there, and he could have said, nah, I got this. I got it. No, he wasn't even like this. No, I got it. I'm doing fine, thank you very much. I'm doing right well begging for alms for 38 years. 
I'm doing good. Will I be made whole? No, I don't need anything. That's what some of us do. I ought to preach a whole sermon like this so you'll get it. You don't realize how blind, how naked, how destitute, how crippled, how paralyzed, how without power you really are. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. The Bible says something along the lines of when you were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. When you was a cripple, when you had nothing, Jesus died for you and extended mercy to you that you and I might be saved. Will thou be made whole? You may say, Pastor Darren, I don't believe that's for me. Well, he's directed to this gentleman. This gentleman has an offer. You either believe Jesus' words and Jesus' ability, or you don't. It is a picture of the master's mercy. Number, number three, and I'm done. It is a portrait of the Messiah's miracle. Look with me in the text. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. Look with me. He's helpless. He says, nobody will help me. Nobody cares for me. All these other people that are here, all they care about is themselves. Well, so do you, buddy. Who have you helped? Well, you're pointing out everybody else's faults and failures. Who have you helped? Your complaint is about yourself. And after all, when Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole? And he said, sir, I have no man to help me. What is Jesus, chopped liver? There's someone full of mercy, grace, and truth that can help him. And he's still looking at people. Here's your problem. You know why you're so down and out? You spend all your time looking at people. You spend all your time looking at problems. You, you, you need to start looking at the master. You need to start looking at the Messiah. You need to start looking at the master. You need to start looking at Jesus. When you see Jesus as merciful, when you see Jesus as able, it'll change your perspective. Many of us just need a change of perspective. Amen. Now, he's helpless and he's hopeless. He says, sir, sir, I've been here 38 years, but every time I'm coming, another step down before me. I've had my hopes and my dreams shattered every season for 38 straight years. I'm going to give a quote right here. I'm quoting somebody. I don't know why I even bother. I don't know why I even go to church. I don't know why I even bother. Why do I even get ready? Why do I even take the time? Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. 38 years I've been like this. But honey, have you met the master? He's come right to where you are and he's speaking to your heart and he's speaking to your life. And look, he says, I'm being hindered. Other people are stepping down before me. Somebody else, I'm hindered. I'm talking to somebody here today. You're hindered because the pastor has on an orange tie. 
You're hindered because of so-and-so. You're hindered because of the problem. You're hindered. Preacher, I just don't. You're being hindered. And there's nothing when you look to Jesus that can hinder you except you. Now, Jesus, the one who's come to this man, Jesus, the one that's caring for this man, Jesus, the one that's calling for this man, Jesus is going to change this man. He says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And I just want us to take time out right here and tell you that this man is a perfect picture of Israel as a nation. That number 38 is not an accident. I started, Lord, that 38, that's not an accident. 38, 38, 38, all through the Bible. 38, 38, 38. Where have I seen it? Where have I read it? I've read it somewhere. 38, 38, 38. It's in Deuteronomy. I want to turn there. It's important. Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 2. Deuteronomy 2, verse 14. You've got to see it. I'm almost done. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14. Pastor, I didn't know you was going to keep us till the Sunday night service started. Pastor, I've got to leave. I'm worried about my cornbread. Verse 14. Now, the children of Israel, children of Israel, have been delivered from Egypt's bondage. Have you been set free? And God told them, said, I want you to go into the promised land. They sent spies. And the spies come back. And 10 of them said, there's giants. There's problems. There's, there's, There's issues. We're grasshoppers in their sight. Two of them. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take it. God gave it to us. It's ours. So they took a vote. And the 10 put fear in the people. And they said, we can't do it. And for this, God calls them to wonder. Now I want to read Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14. From the time that they said no to the Lord, from the time they rejected, from the time they disobeyed God. I'm talking to somebody today. You've disobeyed God about something. From the time they disobeyed, they began to wander aimlessly in the desert until every one of those that voted died out with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Deuteronomy 2.14 The space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we come over the brook Zered was 30 and 8 years until all the generations of the men of war were wasted out from among the host as the Lord swear unto them, the moment that you got disobedient, this problem, this issue, this paralyzing situation has come into your life. It's why you can't praise Him. It's why it's all you can do just to go to church and get through it. It's why you're staying home watching online right now. Because of disobedience in your life. Maybe you're supposed, maybe you were supposed to stand up and testify of the goodness of God. Maybe God said, it's time for you to put that program back in place. It's time for you to step out and do this. And you've been dragging your feet. You've had your heels dug in. You, God says, I want you to go forward with this in your life. There's a, there's a, I'm talking to somebody. There's a decision you've been trying to make. And you've been praying about it. And God's leading you to go ahead with it, but you're dragging your feet because that's not the answer you wanted. You you wanted to do something else. So God says for your disobedience, now you're in trouble. That man had a disobedience problem in his life. And for 38 years, 
He's a picture of Israel wandering aimlessly through the desert. And after 38 years, wilt thou be made whole? You have a decision to make today. You're in the house of mercy. The great physician and our sacrifice is walking through. Rise, he says. Step out on faith. Rise. I can't rise. Ain't you see me, man? I can't get up. Rise. Take up thy bed. That bed of putridness, that bed of fleas, that bed of disobedience, that bed of, uh, of sin that you've been laying in, Take up your bed, roll it up, and walk. And he looked at the Lord, and he began to set up for the first time, and he stood up, and he rolled up his bed and throwed it over his shoulder. Immediately, the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Woo! What a difference the Lord makes to pain and misery. What a difference the Lord makes when He's our substitute. What a difference the Lord makes when you and I take up our bed, never to go back to it. You know why He took up His bed? Some of you, you've left it laying there so you can go back to it on Monday. You'll leave it on Sunday, but you got it there so you can go back to it on Monday and Tuesday. I won't go back to it on Monday, preacher. I'll just go back to it on Friday night. God said it's time to get rid of it. It's time to put the past in the past. It's time to move forward. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. His healing was immediate. I'm not gonna get through the rest of these verses. You stand to your feet. I wanna say this, Brother Seth, you come. At the house of mercy, you're being asked this question today. Wilt thou be made whole? That prayer request you've been praying about, will you keep praying it? Wilt thou be made whole? That healing that you need, are you willing to look to me for it? Maybe you need mercy for salvation. Maybe you need mercy for help. I don't know who you are, but he does. And I'm telling you, he's come to you with this message. He's come to you because he cares for you. He's come to you because He wants a change in your life. He's coming today to speak to your heart and your life to give you the help you need. You know what they found at the house of mercy? There were people waiting. There were people worshiping. There were people walking. Amen. There were people. There were whosoevers seeking the Lord for whatsoever. What is your whatsoever? Whosoever. Right now. Would you come? He's asking you the question. Will thou be made whole? Pastor Darren, it's not my need, but my cousin... My daughter, my grandson, Lord, my family member, man, there's such a great need. Oh, God, 
Would you touch them and help them? Fall this morning on bended knee. I want to report in. I love you. I praise you. What a Savior. By the sheep market came the Lamb of God, which taken away the sin of the world. To those that were sick came the great physician. Oh yes, you came to me. Oh yes, you care for me. Oh yes, it is you that have called to me and it's you that have changed me. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. And I ask God that you'd touch us and God that you'd help us. Lord, there's needs here at the Mercy Hospital. There's needs and there's help that's going out right now. Lord, would you look? God, would you see these on their knees, bowing their heads, rendering unto you their hearts? He said, oh God, would you have mercy? Jesus, would you have mercy on my need? Jesus, would you have mercy on my family? Jesus, would you have mercy on my soul? Oh, Lord, you're dealing with hearts today. God, I've never seen in the Bible where someone prayed for mercy that you didn't grant it. God, I know today you're going to grant requests. God, you've made an offer. And everyone that will take you up on the offer in obedience will be helped. There came a time that Israel, after 38 more years in the wilderness, came back to that promised land decision. And this time, they stepped in the floodwaters by faith and the water stood upon a heap and they walked clear over the other side and you gave them victory after victory after victory in the promised land when they went forward. Help us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.